Morning, church. Uh, so there's two Bible readings today. The first one is taken from 2 Peter 1, 5 to 8. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, the second reading is taken from Philippians 2, 12 to 13. So that's page 952. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. This is the word of the Lord. Wonderful. Well, how about I um, lead us in prayer and then we will think a little bit about this topic together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can gather in uh, safety and security and we can fellowship with one another and sing your praises and hear your scriptures read and explained. And uh, we pray we'll make the most of this time. Please speak to us now from your scriptures. Please help all of us to be attentive listeners, not only listening to the word but putting it into practice. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it is nice uh, to be with you, um, and I'm not sure what you've been uh, listening to in, in, in sermons and, and preaching your way through in recent weeks. Uh, this is a bit of a one-off, I guess. Um, I've been thinking a bit about the fruit of the Spirit recently, and so uh, we're going to be thinking about self-control this morning. Uh, I'm not sure about you, and you, you probably know that famous passage of the fruit of the Spirit from Galatians. Uh, as you think about those items and cast your eyes over that list, I wonder if there's one of them that particularly draws your attention. One that maybe you think, oh boy, I really need to make some progress on that one. Uh, for me, that is self-control. That's the one. That's the one. Whenever I look at that list, I'm sure I could be making progress in all of them, but that's the one that I always think, ah, oh, I just wish I was better at that than I am. Uh, there's lots of little examples of a lack of self-control that I'm sure a few of us might be able to relate to. Uh, perhaps we feel that we are not as disciplined as we'd like to be in what we eat or what we drink. Uh, perhaps you're someone who binges whole series of Netflix into the early hours of the morning. Uh, perhaps, like me, you're someone who sits there with their phone and scrolls and scrolls and scrolls and scrolls and eventually when you put it down you think, what did I even look at? There wasn't even anything there worth viewing, and yet I sat there for way too long. We're not always good at self-control. In fact, even when our habits are almost killing us, even then we find it hard to stop if we're overeating or smoking or drinking too much alcohol or going to the casino and wasting all the family savings. Even then it is hard to change our behavior. I read someone who said that self-control for the Christian has become like the spiritual equivalent of regular exercise. It's desirable, but expendable. Something that would be nice to do, but if we don't get around to it, well, oh well, not the end of the world. 
Uh, but this should not be the case. After all, it is one of these parts of the fruit of the Spirit. As um, it says in Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's not expendable. Uh, it's right there. In fact, it's hard to make for me to imagine us making progress with any of those aspects of the fruit of the Spirit if, if we're lacking in self-control. And it's not just a, a Paul thing. In Galatians, Peter has his own list of qualities that should mark out the Christian in, that we had read for us, 2 Peter 1 from verse 5. And he also thinks that self-control is key. He says, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to your goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. Well, why is self-control so difficult for us? And why is it so important for us to have? Well, one thing that makes it so difficult is that there is a world out there that is constantly tempting us away from God's path. A world that says any of this talk of self-control is, well, it's a bit full-on, really, isn't it? It's a bit uh, restrictive. It's a bit legalistic, maybe a bit puritanical, and you don't want to be that. In fact, the order of the day for our world out there is you should just do whatever you want to do that you think will make you feel good. Nothing wrong with a little bit of indulgence. I did a quick uh, Google search uh, around the topic of wine when I was preparing the talk and I came across these two. It jumped out at me almost immediately. First we have the little wine flow chart. Do you want some wine? Yes. Okay, well pour yourself a glass. But if you say no, sure you do. Come on, pour yourself a glass. And the other one I think is even worse. If you have to ask if it's too early for a glass of wine, you're an amateur and we can't be friends. Kind of funny, until you stop and think about it a bit. There's not a lot of self-control going on there, is there? There's a verse in Proverbs, uh, verse 25, uh, uh, chapter 25, verse 28, which says, Like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. Like a city whose walls are broken through, is a person who lacks self-control. In ancient times, uh, it was absolutely crucial for a city to have a wall, a protective wall surrounding the town or the city. Uh, that was the only way you were going to be able to protect yourselves from outside threats. Uh, if you're familiar with the book of Nehemiah in the Old Testament, that's one of the reasons he's so keen to get back to Jerusalem and rebuild the walls. Proverbs says if we have no self-control, we're like a city or a town whose walls have been broken through. We've got no defense against a world out there that wants to kind of invade our space and bring their values on us. But that's not all. It's not just that there's a world out there that doesn't value self-control. We also have an enemy within the walls. We have an enemy even within us, if you like. James chapter 1, which is on the screen from verse 13, says, When tempted, 
No one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Our own sinful desires work against us as Christians. I don't know if you remember the Lord of the Rings movies from a, a few years ago, uh, but if you do, they have this magical ring and the, the, the whole plot of the film is they have to get rid of this ring because it's evil. And so they're on a journey to try and destroy it. The only problem is this ring wants to be found. It's not going to cooperate along the way. It wants to be discovered. It wants to go back to the bad guys. And in a similar way, I guess, with us, and as we struggle against our own temptations, there is a part of us that is ready to betray our better intentions at the drop of a hat. There's a part of us that wants to fail. So there's a world out there that doesn't value self-control. We've got an inside man or an inside woman that is ready to fail, and if that wasn't bad enough, we also have a spiritual enemy, don't we? A spiritual enemy in the devil who wants to bring us down. If you think about your life for a moment, different ways you could stay on course or, or, or go off course, you'll probably find that you can find self-control in some areas very easily, but in other areas you struggle a lot. For me, I'm not tempted to go and gamble at the casino. I just don't get the attraction. Uh, so for me, being self-controlled when it comes to gambling seems to be easy enough. But there are other areas where I struggle much more. Being disciplined when I'm online might be one. Where do you find self-control easy? And where do you find self-control hard? Perhaps you're someone who struggles not to drink too much alcohol, but you've always found it easy to study hard or to work hard. Or perhaps you're the other way around. Perhaps you find it easy to resist the lure of drinking too much, but procrastination and laziness always seems to get in the way of being productive. Each of us seems to have an Achilles heel somewhere, and we have a spiritual enemy. We have a devil who wants to keep us stuck in sin. And so he's going to search you out to try and work out where is your weak point, where is your Achilles heel, where do you particularly struggle to stay on track, and that's where he's going to devote his energies. So as Christians who want to remain self-controlled, who want to grow in the fruit of the Spirit, it's a struggle because we have a world outside, we have evil desires inside, we have a, a devil that's trying to pull us off track. So we need to know how can we grow in self-control? How can we grow in self-control? The answer is not just to try harder. Just to try harder, ratchet everything up a few notches and hope that that will do the trick. Ooh, I lost my notes here for a second. Why am I out of order? There we go. When the Bible tells us that we are, by nature, slaves to our passions, then we've got to take that seriously. Just trying harder is not going to do the trick. Uh, that's one of the reasons why New Year's resolutions don't always work, right? They don't always last. 
We eat too much over the holiday period. Uh, We wake up the next morning and we feel a bit bloated and a bit green around the gills. And we think, right, from now on, I'm going to be more self-controlled when it comes to what I eat and drink. But the decision usually doesn't last much longer than dinner the next day, right? We imagine that a vague sense of remorse will give us all the power that we need to be self-controlled next time, but it probably won't because the problems are much deeper than that, the world and our desires and the devil. As Christians, we know this. We struggle with sin. We, we are people who know that we don't have what it takes within us. We need help from outside, from God. And so the first thing we need to do to grow in self-control is to begin with the gospel. We need to begin with the gospel. In the Bible, rather than God giving us 10 steps to self-control or something like that, God gives us a person to know. He gives us the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we meet Jesus in the gospel, we begin with the gospel, and the correct response to the gospel is always to repent and to believe. In this situation, we repent of the times we haven't been self-controlled, we confess any sins that we may have fallen into, And we also believe. We believe that the Lord Jesus is able to both take away the penalty of any sins we've committed in the past, he's also able to take away the power of sin as we go into the future. On the screen is John chapter 8. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin, Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. That's what we need. We need to be set free from the power of sin in our lives. When we come to Jesus and put our trust in him, we receive his Holy Spirit as well. And the Spirit helps us to grow in holiness. He is determined to see his fruit growing in our lives. So while it's true that there's a world and sinful desires and a devil, even more importantly, we have God's Holy Spirit who is determined that we will succeed. And I find that hugely encouraging myself. But this leads me to the next question. Whose responsibility is it for us to be growing in self-control? Is it God's responsibility to change me? Or at the end of the day, does he give me a kind of a a push, a head start, and then it's up to me, I need to work hard from then on? Well, I found Philippians chapter 2 that was also read for us really helpful in this regard. It's on the screen. Paul says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good pleasure. His good purpose, sorry. So in those verses, who who is to work? Well, we are to work, but God is also at work. Can you see that? We need to work out our salvation, but God is also at work. And between those two works... There is that very important word there at the start of verse 13, for. We can work for God is already at work within us. 
Only God can bring success ultimately, but that doesn't mean we're passive. We can work hard at our Christian life confident that God is already at work within us. And so we need to work hard. That's a serious part of growing in the fruit of the Spirit. How hard do we need to work? Uh, have a look at what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. He says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one <coughs> gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. We need to work hard if we're going to see progress in self-control. And so uh, I've got three last suggestions for us about ways that we might be working hard to really see some progress in this area. And the first one is to involve other people in the battle. Involve other people in the battle. I don't know how you go with this. Uh, for me, I have always struggled to do this. I think I'd rather just work on it myself or maybe just me and God. I'll, I'll pray to him, sure, for help. But apart from that, I'm not really going to share my struggles. I'll just get on. Uh, but it's such a silly way for me to go about things because there's such strength that comes when we involve each other. Talking to trusted family, to friends, to brothers and sisters at church can be so helpful. Uh, if you know there's an area where you struggle to be self-controlled, find someone that you trust and share that with them. They might have some things that they do in that area that are really helpful for you. They'll be able to pray for you in your struggles. And you know what? If you if you open up and share with them, uh, maybe somewhere down the line they'll open up and share with you. And the whole body of Christ gets stronger as we help one another. So involve other people in the battle. Uh, the next one is plan to be self-controlled. Actually plan ahead to be self-controlled. Uh, sometimes temptations take us completely by surprise and they, they blindside us. But other times we can actually anticipate a situation in the future where we know we're going to be struggling to be self-controlled. I'm sure you've heard of that famous um, uh, psychology test that they did uh, with children many years ago where they put a child in a room with a table and on the table was a marshmallow and they said, listen, you can have the marshmallow now if you want to, uh, but I tell you what, I'm going to go out and if I come back in five minutes and you, ha you haven't eaten it, you can have two marshmallows. Uh, and of course the kids, some succeeded, some failed. Some it was just too hard and they gobbled it down straight away. Others had the self-control to last the five minutes to get that second marshmallow. Many of the kids who lasted the five minutes turned their chair around so that they weren't facing it and looking at the whole time. They actually anticipated, I'm going to be struggling here. I'm going to take steps ahead of time and look the other direction to reduce the temptation. That was quite clever. And we can do similar things sometimes. We can plan ahead to be self-controlled. So here's a little example. If you struggle to get up in the morning, 
You've got your alarm set, right, on your bedside table, but you just hit snooze, snooze, snooze. You can just plan the night before and put your alarm clock or your phone on the other side of the bedroom. Then when you wake up in the morning, <laughs> can't hit snooze, got to get up out of the doona to go and turn it off. If you come back from work or school or wherever it is and you always walk past that tempting bakery and as you go past the open door that smell of the freshly baked danishes or whatever comes out and your self-control is wavering at that moment, well, you can plan ahead. You can just decide to walk home a different way that doesn't take you right past the bakery, right? It might not be the bakery. It might be the adult bookstore or whatever it is that you're tempted by. You can plan ahead to actually minimize those temptations and increase the likelihood that you'll be self-controlled. I knew a guy who had to go to a, a particular meeting periodically with his work. He had to be there, but there was another person in the meeting that he really struggled not to lust after. And he knew this was an issue for him. And then he decided to plan ahead. He spoke to a friend at church and he said, listen, tomorrow I have to go to this meeting and I always struggle in that meeting. I'm going to call you beforehand at this time, if that's okay, and then I'm going to call you after the meeting and I want you to ask me how I've gone. His friend said, all right, I'll do that. And just knowing that he was going to have to talk to a friend from church after the meeting and fess up about how his uh, thought life was during that meeting gave him all the self-control he needed to stay on track. He planned ahead. last suggestion I've got for you is to build healthy habits. To build healthy habits. As Christians, we know that we're not going to be perfectly self-controlled until the day the Lord Jesus returns, right? Uh, we're not going to be perfect until then. But we can make progress. We can make progress. And I think this is when you read the Bible, this is uh, what... God is saying to us that if, since we're filled with his spirit, if we work at our salvation and he's working in us as well, we can expect to see real progress. One of the most powerful ways to make progress is by building healthy habits. The one-off decision of a New Year's resolution has little power behind it. Our long-term habits and rituals are far more powerful than a one-off decision like that. But that means we can build healthy habits and they will be powerful too. Now, the scientists talk about neuroplasticity, right? Not everything is hardwired. Not everything is set in stone. New patterns, new habits can be formed. And this could go either way. We can either get more and more disobedient or we can get more and more obedient. No failure is final if we keep coming back to God and asking for help. You've probably heard this imagery of uh, you have to walk through a, a field of long grass, right? And there's a bit of a path going through the grass and then it, there's a fork in the, in the path, left or right, disobedience or obedience. Which path is easier to walk down? Well, probably whichever path you've been walking down so far, right? If you keep choosing disobedience, then the long grass there has been knocked down and trodden into the mud and that path is quite clear. If you've been struggling to be obedient, the grass there has grown taller and longer and you'd have to push your way through. 
Habits are powerful. But the more you choose obedience with God's help, that grass is going to get knocked down. And the more you can resist temptation, that grass is going to grow up. And that path's going to get tougher going. The obedience will actually get smoother as you build that habit. So creating a routine where you do the same thing at the same time every day or regularly can be really powerful. Examples like exercising every morning. That can become part of the pattern. Reading your Bible over lunch or whenever the time is that works for you. Uh, Making sure that you're at church every Sunday. Not most Sundays or some Sundays, but every Sunday. Uh, Maybe you need to set an alarm at whatever it is, 10 p.m. at night, and that means TV goes off, phone goes off, I need to get enough sleep. Whatever it is, think ahead and plan to build these healthy patterns in your life because as you grow in them, they will become really powerful. Friends, I don't feel like I'm an expert in self-control. In fact, far from it. That's the one on the list when I read The Fruit of the Spirit, which I think I really need to make progress. Uh, But I hope that there's been something helpful here this morning, helpful for me, helpful for you, as we struggle to grow in our self-control. Thankfully, we don't do this on our own steam or our own power. We always have God's Spirit with us. And so I'm going to finish by praying that he will be helping us. Please join Heavenly Father, um, you are far more concerned about our own holiness than we are. Help us to desire self-control and work hard at self-control, confident that you are already paving the way ahead of us. We bring before you right now, each one of us, silently, an area of our life where we struggle to be self-controlled. Lord, we confess our sins in that area. We ask for forgiveness because of Jesus' life and death and resurrection. And we pray that you would help us to share our struggles with each other, to plan ahead, to create healthy habits, because we long to grow in self-control. We long to grow in the fruit of the Spirit. We pray this for your glory. Amen.